coming up. The problem with atheism is it cuts down on your religious experiences. Is it possible to lead a life of faith and reason? There's a line in my fa one of my favorite Woody Allen movies, Crimes and Misdemeanors, in which someone says of a very religious man, Sal's kind of faith is a gift. It's like a, an ear for music or the talent to draw. He believes and you can use logic on him all day long and he still believes. When you're feeling awe, there's a sense of elevation, but there's also a sense of being humbled. Is belief in God irrational? Believing in and believing that God exists are quite different things. Our guest is Howard Weinstein, author of The Significance of Religious Experience. I don't expect answers, but when something awful happens, if I can feel God's hand on my shoulder, that's something important. Faith, reason, and the art of living. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the Stanford University campus. This program is part of the continuing study series, The Art of Living. Our thinking originates not far away across the quad at Philosopher's Corner. That's where Ken and I both teach philosophy. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. Today, we're philosophizing about faith, reason, and the art of living. Ken, religion offers us a comforting and inspiring vision of human existence. A loving and merciful God created the universe. He's in charge, and he's got a plan, not just for the universe as a whole, but for me, little old me. And don't worry, Ken, he's got one for you, too. John, I have a huge problem with religion, though. Religious belief strikes me as almost completely irrational. And taking religious doctrines and tradition as your guide seems to be no better than taking illusion and fairy tales as your guide. Well, I find your hostility to religion just a little surprising. I mean, you went to Notre Dame. That's a pretty religious place. You grew up in a devoutly religious family. I mean, what happened? I'm not hostile to religion. I'm not, I'm not at all. I don't begrudge anybody their faith. I, I admire many religious people and the lives they leave. Actually, part of me even envies them. I sometimes wish that I could believe too. But, but I, I just can't make myself do it, John. I, not, not anymore. Well, well, you sound a bit nostalgic for your lost belief, Ken. It's not nostalgia, not exactly. It's what you said earlier. Religion offers us a world suffused with meaning, purpose, and love. What does atheism offer us? An uncaring universe devoid of spirit, devoid of transcendence? Where's the comfort in that? Well, now you sound a lot like Kierkegaard. He says if there were no eternal consciousness in man, if at the foundation of all there lay only nature, a wild, seething power, producing everything, everything that is great and everything that is insignificant. What would then life be but despair? How empty then and comfortless life would be. That's what you sound like. You really believe that? You really think life without religion is empty and devoid of comfort? Uh, I, I'm torn. Part of me thinks, what good is the truth if it just leaves you debilitated and depressed? But, but another part of me thinks, 
What good are inspiring stories based on nothing but illusion and wishful thinking? Well, I think you're being too hard on religion, and as a result, too hard on yourself. You don't have to believe absolutely everything religion teaches you. I mean, nobody does. A Christian, for example, doesn't have to believe that God literally created the world in seven days. You want a believable religion? Do what everybody else does. Start with whatever in your religion you find most palatable and appealing. Take out the bad stuff, leave in the good stuff, and you've got yourself a perfectly fine religion. I don't care what religion you start with, John, because whatever, once you set aside the mythology, the bad history, the pseudoscience, you're still going to be left with some tortured theology or some murky metaphysics. I can't believe any of that stuff either. Maybe you're too focused on what your head tells you, and you should listen more to your heart desires. If infinite happiness is at stake, like Kierkegaard thought, and wholehearted belief is the only way to get it, just do what Kierkegaard and also Pascal recommended. Take a leap of faith. Let your will take you where your reason won't go. Oh, that would be like, like expecting to win the lottery without ever buying a ticket. Uh, I don't get the analogy. Look, winning this lottery, your lottery, is achieving infinite happiness, eternal salvation, all that jazz. But the ticket is wholehearted, unquestioning faith. But, but I can't buy that ticket because I'm just not willing to surrender reason to purchase faith. Well, maybe your best bet is just to pretend. Oh, come on, pretend? Come no, on. no, I'm, I'm serious here. Think about numbers. Some philosophers believe that numbers aren't real. They're not in some platonic heaven. They're not objects really at all. They don't know what they are. But that doesn't stop them from doing math. Why not do the same with religion? Reject the metaphysics but accept the practice. Uh, yeah, philosophers call that kind of view uh, about numbers fictionalism, but why should I be a fictionalist about religion and God of all things? So you can have your cake, be religious, and eat it too. If you act as if there's a God, you get the benefits of being religious without actually believing a word of it. Oh, but that's just bad faith. What good is that gonna do me? Does a pretend God answer pretend prayers? Well, I'm kind of running out of ideas here, Ken. Um, but I, I know someone who might have an additional angle. That would be Howard Wettstein. Like you, he rejects religious belief, pretty much. Unlike you, he's managed to find a way to remain deeply and sincerely religious. Oh, come on. How can that be? Well, he focuses on religious practice rather than on religious belief. Howard thinks that religion is rooted in a visceral sense of awe. Religious practices for him are just ways of channeling, increasing, and celebrating that feeling of awe. And get this, he doesn't think those practices require belief in either tortured theology or murky metaphysics. Well, gee, I, I, I'm eager to hear from this Howie then. Well, we will. But first, to help us set the stage for our awe-inspired guest, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Esch, to talk to several religious leaders about why people of faith sometimes lose that faith. She files this report. My name is Andrew Danjo White. I am an Episcopal priest. My name is Rabbi Susan Goldberg. My name is Reverend Daniel Buford. I'm the director of the Prophetic Justice Ministry at the Allen Temple Baptist Church. My name is Susan O'Connell. I'm the president of San Francisco Zen Center. I'm also a Zen priest. My name is Father Bertie Pearson, and I'm the priest at San Francisco de Assis, which is an Episcopal church in Austin, Texas. 
I spoke to leaders across a range of denominations about why people lose their faith. I always assumed it would be a dramatic event that would make a person stop believing in God, but Father Andrew Danjo White of Wayne County in Western New York says it's usually much more mundane. You know, they are volunteering at the church and helping out with different things and showing up on Sundays, and then all of a sudden they wake up one morning and realize that it's all kind of hollow to them. Sometimes, he says, people grow up, but their faith stays childish. They try to hold on to something they heard decades ago in Sunday school. This idea that, you know, uh, God loves you and, and won't let anything bad ever happen to you um, as long as you're a good person. That's the faith that people often lose. And I think that's, that's an okay faith to lose as long as it's replaced by something deeper, something that really does comprehend the realities of, of our world. And I often tell people, you know, the God that you don't believe in is the God that I don't believe in either. Rabbi Susan Goldberg of Temple Beth Israel in Los Angeles says many people think of God as a puppet master, an old guy with a beard on a cloud. And when they say they don't believe in God anymore, what they mean is they're angry at God. What is it that you're not believing in? What are you angry about? Oh, you're, you're in terrible pain. Well, there's a place for the divine to give comfort when we mourn. There's a Jewish prayer called the Kaddish that's said after someone dies and requires a minion that is at least 10 adults. So grief work is done in a group. And then it sort of loosens, the anger loosens up. And then as the community steps in to support someone, that to me is the experience of God, is something different than the man on the cloud. There's a scripture in the book of Ephesians that says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Reverend Daniel Buford preaches at Allen Temple Baptist Church in Oakland, California. His parish is known for high rates of unemployment, violence, and incarceration. When someone you love is murdered, he says it can be hard not to lose faith. It's the powers and the principalities that allow guns to flow rampant in our community and the uh, carnage that accompanies uh, those guns. How is it that our teenagers are getting a hold of military assault weapons like the AR-15 and the Uzi? It's faith not in some Care Bear-style afterlife where everything's just kind of like warm and sappy or something. Over in Austin, Texas, Father Bertie Pearson says there's a popular misconception that faith gives you a set of easy answers. When someone comes to him struggling because they don't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity or the incarnation of Jesus, Father Bertie doesn't try to convince them that they should. I wouldn't say, you just gotta hang in there and you gotta keep believing. I would say, that's great because doubt is an integral part of faith. If someone were to come to me as a practice leader and say, I've lost my faith. I would ask them what their expectations were. Zen priest Susan O'Connell says people often come to the San Francisco Zen Center because the religion they were raised with, or psychotherapy, just wasn't cutting it anymore. O'Connell should know. In the 1990s, she went through a succession of tragedies. Her mother died, she lost her business, then she got breast cancer. So she tried Zen Buddhism. I felt held. I felt like I could break down and weep. I remember I curled up in, on the floor of the office that I was in at one point, just in the fetal position, and just started to grieve. Inside the Zen Center, O'Connell found refuge, and she found her faith. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Esch. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music 
Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.